0: Welcome to the Mercy Commons podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that the Word of God encourages you and that the Holy Spirit empowers you. Good morning, Mercy Commons. My name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors in the community, and uh, it's a little bit of a different Sunday. In fact, this is Saturday night, and I'm in my living room, and my wife, Valerie, just took the kids uh, to Chick-fil-A, in order to uh, have the house quiet enough for me to do this. I'm by myself uh, re- re- recording this. And um, this is Sunday that we find ourselves grateful once again and here in 2020 that we have the ability to communicate even when we're not able to be together. You know, as, uh, as many of you may have heard, um, Neil and Nick both have come down with COVID in the past week and out of an abundance of caution with respect to possible exposure to others and during this past week and, and honestly for, for you um, you know, we really felt that it was prudent to delay our return to the YMCA. You know, Nick and Neil, by the way, are both doing pretty, pretty, pretty well, and um, all of us are still very excited about our return to the Y next week. That is our still our, our anticipation. And just so you're know and you're aware, if Southern California does go into the new stay-at-home order. That order has a provision for outdoor. Gatherings for religious services that observe social distancing and masks, and and, and honestly, the why also falls into a provision for allowing people to exercise outside, and it's going to remain open. Um, we've uh, we've been able to talk with them, and they're they're really excited to have us back, uh, and so. We, uh, we, we have full anticipation to be back next week to continue in our Advent series and, and to do uh, baptism and baby dedication. So um, I really want to encourage you uh, to come out um, and, and, and to participate and to lean in. Um, we are uh, this morning continuing in our Advent series. It's my privilege to talk about uh, a different portrait of peace. Uh, Advent is a time of waiting. <laughs> And 2020, uh, I think it's, it taught us a little bit something about a kind of a cosmic crash course in waiting, right? Um, but we're not just waiting for a vaccine. I think the whole world is waiting for a vaccine and we are kind of waiting for a vaccine. But really more than that and deeper than that for the church, the reality is that we're, uh, we're awaiting our true king to return, uh, who will put a final kind of um, final end to death and to sickness, and to things like COVID-19, uh, and things like a need for vaccines, and, uh, and, and sin that, that, that enters and, ravages, and av- ravages the world. Last week, Neil helped us look at the first portrait from the famous passage in Isaiah 9, where we looked at the wonderful counselor. Uh, he spoke to us about how the counsel we receive from God is, is really contrasted against the counsel of the world. Uh, the world seems to give to us and, and does give to us about what seems right. And, uh, and he talked about how that counsel from the world will often leave us exhausted and dismayed, anxious, confused. Uh, he did a really wonderful job of sharing from his own personal experience how the God of peace does not necessarily mean the God who makes sure we're comfortable He comforts us. He is the God of comfort. But his highest order in the way he provides counsel is not making sure we're comfortable. There's a difference between the comfort of the Holy Spirit and the comfortable (laughs) of the Holy Spirit. Those are different things. And so this morning, we're going to get to take a look at uh, just in a few moments at the second portrait, portrait of peace, describing Jesus from Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 7. He is the mighty God. Let's reflect on the full passage and then we'll jump in. Isaiah Chapter nine, verses six through seven, I'll read from the ESV. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, prince of peace of the increase of his government and of the peace there will be no end on the throne of david and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the lord of hosts will do this it is christmas i got christmas kind of here behind me it's like happy COVID christmas right um I don't know about you uh, or the block that you live on, part of the city that you're in, but man, as I've been driving around, I've I, I completely realized that the, the lights and the music and the de- decorations, man, they all started real early this year, right? Christmas trees were up before Thanksgiving. People are listening to Christmas music even earlier than they normally do, you know. And you gotta wonder, like, well, why, you know, why is that? And It doesn't take a rocket scientist to to understand or a great sociologist to understand. You know, people are tired. Um, We're we're worn thin. It has been a rough year, uh, a year like no other. Um, Christmas is traditionally a time of joy and peace and goodwill. And, you know, we don't tend to associate Christmas uh, with the idea of power and authority and government and justice and even judgment as that passage does in Isaiah that we just read. Um, we, We... we, as we think about Christmas and we come to a time of Christmas, we, we just want to be in a better mood. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, I, we need to be in a better mood. We, we, we want to hear about peace. I want to hear about good, goodwill and kindness. And, uh, we, we want to feel like everything's fine. You know, I, I remember a couple months into the lockdown, the first time, like, I don't know, it was maybe, uh, maybe April or May. And one of my colleagues from work, I have a, I have a day job and, and, uh, one of my one of my colleagues from work got on one of the countless Zoom calls that I've been on and his background was absolutely hilarious. It was a meme of this like, cartoon dog sitting in, inside a house on fire and the dog was just sitting there with wide eyes open and just, you know, it's like, this is fine. This is fine. This is fine. <laughs> you know, listen, we, we all want to feel like it's fine, but we know it's not. Uh, and it's not just because of COVID. You know, COVID this year is shining a, a light on a deeper reality. And even, uh, even in normal years, even in normal years, the house is on fire. Things are not really right. The reality is that you can't have true peace and goodwill without living under the government and the reign and the righteousness of the true King. Jesus is not depicted here in this passage of Isaiah as a sentimental feel-good figure. It's an amazing thing to consider how Jesus entered the world. I love reflecting on that. The wonder of his birth, this baby that was born to die. We were singing that actually, hanging up some Christmas songs like a Bebo Norman song and just thinking my kids were, were actually talking about it. I, I love thinking about that. It's wondrous to think about that. But I think sometimes, you know, all the plastic nativity scenes and the familiarity with the story and the flannel graphs and the kids' plays that we've seen over the years with really bad beards and all that stuff, uh, it, it, we can kind of start to slip into whether it's us in the church or just in general in the culture into making Jesus into the cute little baby Jesus from uh, Will Ferrell's, Ferrell's Talladega Nights. You know, um, Advent is not only about reflecting on his first coming into the world, but it's about waiting with expectation for the return of the Jesus who has true power, authority, strength, and complete dominion. When he returns, there will be no one offering pray- prayers to a sweet, dear Lord, baby Jesus. That's not going to happen. The passages from Isaiah, this passage in particular, has a really strong and obvious connection and theme about government and authority. And that government increasing so Isaiah is recording after the exile. It's important to remember that. The Israelites would have been very aware of what bad government looked like. They had been under oppression. They had been, uh, they had been outcasts in a foreign land. You know, bad kings and, and, and oppressive regimes, that, that they, had, they had seen it firsthand, up close and personal. And, and a case can be made that within the context of this verse, context about power and government, that this portrait we're looking at today, Mighty God, is the primary name in this list and associated with the characteristics of the kingdom that Isaiah is talking about. In a very real sense, we've lost a biblical understanding of the kind of authority and kingdom and government that Isaiah is speaking of in this passage. I mean, for a lot of people, when we think about the increase of government, they're either thinking, no thanks, Uh, we have plenty of government, I don't need new taxes, I don't need all, no thanks. Or they think, absolutely, we need more government intervention, involvement, regulation, it's all good, Like, like, what's the problem? The reality, though, is that no matter where you are on the political spectrum, we have got to be able to admit that we have some pretty poor models of government to look at. There are models that range from minor frustrations and potholes not being fixed uh, from tax dollars to major things like flat out, flat out corruption that happens on on multiple levels of government and around the world. And and by the way, throughout history, the the communist things from like the communist gulags to, to flat out dictators and truly fascist regimes. I mean, we've got some pretty crummy models of government to look at. The truth is that even on our best day, uh, in a democracy or democratic republic, that the problem with the government model that we have is that people are still running it. Fallen people are still running it and in charge of them. And, And here's the other thing, from a more of a cosmic and a spiritual sense, fallen powers are always active in worldly power structures and they animate negative things. So why is the increase of this government going to be any different? How does the mighty God's rule and, 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 and why do we, you know, what makes that different? Why would we want it to increase? What good does it bring about that we're waiting to see? And Advent is this idea of waiting to see. Well, the government of the mighty God brings about three things to establish peace. Those three things I'm going to talk quickly about is to destroy what needs to be destroyed. That's not something you think about often at Christmas, but it's true. The second thing is to establish what needs to be established. And the third thing is to judge what needs to be set right. Let's take a look at the first one. Our mighty God has the authority to destroy what needs to be destroyed. Sin, Satan, bondage, physical and spiritual death are all things that this government, uh, this government and its increase will destroy. I mean, think about it. Death and eternal life. Death, eternal life. Darkness and light. Slave, son or daughter. These are realities that do not coexist. The the, the existence of the one means the other must be abolished. Right? When you turn the lights on in a room, darkness flees. When we are made a true son or daughter, we are no longer a slave. When we step into eternal life, death must fully be vanquished. You know, we await the obliteration of these things, not not just some cosmic truce where we get to coexist forever with these negative things. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 uh, verses 51 through 55 says, "...behold, I tell you a mystery." the saying that is written, "Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? Done." And in Romans 16 verses 20, Paul tells a, a waiting church facing difficulty that, quote, "The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet." The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you, church. Our mighty God says the same to us today. We await the crushing of our enemy, the crushing of the things that destroy life. And here's the good news. We get to wait in a state of grace that sustains us. Grace sustains us. The second thing, the second thing is Our mighty God has the power to establish what needs to be established. You know, one of my favorite moments in the New Testament record of Jesus' story uh, is when Jesus, beaten and betrayed and humiliated, is brought before the most powerful man in the region, within the most powerful regime in the world, really that the world had ever seen to that point. And Jesus is standing there, probably head down, eyes to the ground, when Pilate, Pontius Pilate, feeling disrespected by Jesus's silence and in frustration and anger says to him, don't you know I have the power to free you or crucify you? And I I just, in my imagination, I I can see Jesus finally slowly lifting his head because Jesus is not a man in a rush. (laughs) Slowly lifting his head, meeting Pilate eye to eye and calmly, firmly, And without a quiver in his voice, says in response, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Jesus had already told this same man that his government, Jesus's government, his kingdom, it was not temporary. It was not of this earth. It was a kingdom from above, and it was invading and it was coming in a way that no one understood. The world still has governments. We still have governments and rulers, and and God gives those things to us in our waiting. Uh, You know, Joe Biden is, is getting ready to become President Biden, where he'll get to choose cabinet members, place people in positions of authority to inaugurate within the framework of the Constitution, how he'll choose to govern. Jesus has, in many ways, done the same thing with a massive, massive, massive difference. He, get to, he got to set new rules. Jesus has brought the beginning of a non-earthly government into the earth. A kingdom, a government that has completely different rules to what we're used to. New laws, new citizens, new processes, new leaders, new outcomes. It's a kingdom that seems to us upside down or inside out. The truth is, we're the ones, it's like Dallas Willard says, we're we're the ones that are actually upside down and inside out. God's, God's always right side up. God's ways are always right side up. This is a kingdom where the first will be last, where in order to gain, you must give. The most powerful serve the most childlike. The poor have immediate access, where the rich will find it difficult to get in because they're used to making things happen. A kingdom where, where what is happening inside is more important than what's happening outside. And a kingdom where you treat others in a reflection of how you, where, where how you treat others is really a reflection of how you love God. In this kingdom, righteousness is not earned, it's freely given. And it's cultivated as we follow the King and we allow him to shape his life, his beautiful, wonderful life in us. This Advent season, we are waiting for the fullness of a kingdom established through the beauty of humility. Jesus' life and his death was a story of humility, of willing submission to trust the character of his father. He knew that God was good. He knew his father was good. Jesus, our mighty God, has the power to establish his people and his kingdom. Isaiah 61 is a passage about God's establishing power. And it's a passage that Jesus pulled from and and, and used to speak about his own mission and his own ministry. And it it goes like this. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, the planting, the establishing of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And finally, the third thing, the third thing is that our mighty God has the wisdom to judge correctly. Acts 10, 42, verses 43 says that, you know, Peter, as he is preaching to the Gentiles, says, uh, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is, he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name, through Jesus's name. Friends, it is good news to know that Jesus, the one in whom the New Testament tells us that he did all things well, the one on, on, on on who on a cross while being crucified, cried out in prayer to his father, father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. The one one who, in seeing the religious and kind of financial distortion seeping in to his house of prayer, his temple, fashioned a whip and drove the distortion out. We are not always comfortable with the concept of judgment. The first reason is that, honestly, there's parts of us that have yet to believe the gospel, that that Jesus has taken off of us our sin, that he who knew no sin became sin for us, is what the scripture tells us, that we were dead and we're now alive, forgiven, whole in Christ. We have union with Christ, and that changes the game entirely, allows us to move from Romans 7 to Romans 8. Um, That's a deep track. I'm not going to quote it. You can read it later. (laughs) But the second reason I really think is that we, we often within within the government, and the systems of authority that we see, we see it done bad. It's done badly. Justice is done poorly. It's, it's often these institutions and powers that they're meant to provide order and fairness and protection for the weak that become they become disordered. They become faulty. They become prefer, perverted where there is is not justice or if there is it's it's not pure Somehow, something still seems off. It's not in God's hands just yet. The judgment of our mighty God is good news, church. Jesus is the one who has the last say over your life and mine. Do you get that? Jesus, the one who emptied himself and came to rescue, find you, he's the one who has the last say over your life. I can't think of a better person to trust for that assessment. Can you? Jesus, our mighty God, whose rule and government is a great gift. As Isaiah says, for to us, a child is born to us, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And he will. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mercy Commons podcast. If you enjoyed today's content, please rate us and hit subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at mercycommons.church